Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing Page Optimization expert, Tim Ash, is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome back, loyal listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization, exploring the world of higher conversion rates. Uh, This week, my guest is Daniel Gonzalez. He's a CRO specialist and consultant, uh, works at conversionlove.com, which is also where he blogs. Uh, Welcome, Daniel. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. So um, I'm very gratified to know that in the many years since I started doing CRO and the five, the fifth year now of conversion conference that people are actually doing this for a living, that this is a profession and there are other agencies and individual consultants. Um, and I just want to focus on today a little bit about your experiences with this as a, as a profession or, or an agency. Tell, uh, tell our audience a little bit about what you do and the kind of services you offer for clients. Sure. Um, so I work kind of as an outsourced conversion rate optimization specialist for a variety of different clients. Um, basically, personally, I focus on helping out companies that are in the software as a service space, working on lead generation, and then also have a lot of people that I work with that do e-commerce. So a wide range of industries. Uh, software as a service is yeah, is often lead generation at its heart as well as kind of direct transaction stuff. Yeah. Okay, and in terms of what kind of projects you work on, describe kind of the range of ways to engage. Sure. Um, basically, we, we do kind of three things. And essentially, we focus on, for people who might not have the volume to do testing, um, we can provide kind of conversion rate audits or um, kind of like strategically pick out uh, places on the site or pages that they might want to um, focus on redoing and we can we can tell them about what are the kinds of things that we would suggest changing there. Um, also, we can work on uh, doing testing together um, or we can we can uh, so where we propose ideas and we um, we actually build and execute the tests for you or we can kind of just uh, you might have a testing tool and developers and you want to build things out yourself, we can kind of just provide the ideas and possibly wireframes and then you run off and do the testing yourself. That's kind of the ways that we work with people. All right, fantastic. And do you usually do that on a one-off project basis or kind of an on, ongoing uh, support retainer? So typically the, um, the wireframing where the client would, would test things themselves and the conversion rate optimization audit, those are one-off kind of projects, but uh, the testing is typically a continual type of arrangement. And so, yeah, that that would involve a retainer. And basically on a monthly, well, it's not actually based on on time. Essentially, we manage a specific number of tests ongoing, um, and we limit it by, you know, one or two or three tests at a time that will run for you. Um, and as soon as one test is over and we've analyzed, uh, you know, why it did what it did, whether it succeeded or failed, um, we provide you a new test at that point in time. So you're continually kind of optimizing your conversion rate through the test that we're providing you. 
Well, I, I like that you, you said uh, well, for those clients that are too small to test because everyone has the testing religion. But, uh, you know, hey, we have three form fills a day. Well, congratulations. You'll never be doing testing. You know? right. <laughs> uh, so, so is there a little bit of a reality check that you need to tell clients? So, uh, in other words, do they think, come in thinking that conversion rate optimization is only testing and, and come in asking for that? Yeah, I'd say a lot of people assume, and even like um, sometimes I work with other agencies, and I find that um, maybe their sales staff has some um, assumptions about what kind of websites that um, you can actually run testing programs on. And uh, yeah, like if if you have, you know, I'd say less than twenty thousand uniques a month. Um, you're, you probably won't be able to successfully run even a simple A-B test. Um, yeah, well, I talk about it not in terms of traffic necessarily, but the number of conversion actions, and I recommend a absolute lower threshold even for the simplest A-B testing of 10 conversion actions a day. Right. Yeah, because you might have a lot of traffic, but if nobody's filling out your form or buying your stuff, then you know you really can't run tests. It doesn't matter how many... Uh, tire kickers come to the site right right yeah so there's definitely a threshold where um we just can't run actual tests for clients and so um that's actually what brought about the development of kind of running a conversion rate optimization audit on people's sites um is to say hey you know we're not 100 percent sure that this is going to improve your conversion rate but based on our experience and what we know about usability um, we think these are the changes you should make and you probably won't be able to test them, so we'd recommend just going ahead and implementing these things and, and kind of watching what happens in analytics after you implement. All right. Well, that you bring up a couple of important things. One is um, you know, just this notion of um, you know, best practices, I guess, if you will. Uh, here's that stuff that works in most circumstances. It probably won't tank your business, and it may make it significantly better, right? So how do you sell those ideas to a client when I say, well, you know, prove it to me, back that up? And you say, well, I can't because you have no data. So uh, how does the rest of that conversation go for you as a consultant? So typically what we'll do is we'll pull up case studies from um, places where we've tested these specific things in the past. Like a test comes to mind where um, it's pretty common in uh, e-commerce where if, you, if you're te- running a test specifically on a product page, a lot of these um, out-of-the-box Magento setups will have um, – it's an issue with the product page selector. Um, like if you sell products where you have to um, select a color – and um, specify some attributes of the product, in other words. Yeah, exactly. And then add it to cart. Um, oftentimes, there won't be a defaulted attribute selected for the user. So the user will assume that you know whatever color they're seeing is, um, in fact, selected. And then they'll attempt to add it to the cart, but they'll get an error. And so it's kind of like a micro frustration that just kind of lowers the conversion rate. So... You know, we'll pull up case studies where we talk about how and when we've tested that. And also kind of the logic behind it just stands sometimes to say, you know, this is obviously a better way to approach this specific issue. Okay, so there are two things. You're relying on circumstances and specific kind of quantifiable test results of where it has worked in higher volume environments. But also, uh, like you say, there's got to be some common sense involved. Do you really want people to have to take another step and not have a default selection? Um, Do you want them to get frustrated by seeing error messages when they don't do that? I mean, so so a lot of this time, so I understand why you're calling it an audit. You're just 
going and kind of looking for these common issues. So do you have a checklist for, say, going through an e-commerce site or a lead generation flow? Yeah, actually, typically what we'll do, we don't really work off any checklist because, I mean, yeah, we have some checklists. There, there's things that obviously need to be fixed. But typically, like when we do um, that kind of work for a client, what we want to do is we want to personalize it for them and make it um, specific to their site and the experience that they're that's on the site at, at that point in time. So what we usually do is we go out and we conduct kind of remote usability studies and uh, we'll set up a few different scenarios um, to kind of have the user go through and then we learn as much as we can um, about the site through that and um, and we use what we learn from seeing people interact with the site to make recommendations on, on what should be changed based on where people ran into like issues or where they had troubles or um, things like that. Okay, well that's something else that I'm very gratified to, to uh, hear because um, most people think of just only measurable quantitative stuff, but m- a lot of the insights, even for what to test, if you are going to test, come from qualitative looks at people, not statistics-based stuff, but going out into the wild, seeing how they interact with your website, or as you say, doing remote usability testing and asking them to do simple tasks on your site and seeing how they do them, right? So what tools do you use for that? And I think we only have a minute before our break, so just throw out a couple. Yeah, sure. So the tools that I that I I guess my favorite tools are um, usertesting.com, which is where I get the remote uh, usability studies done, and then also uh, the the on-site uh, microsurvey or polling tool uh, called Qualaroo. Those are kind of my favorites for getting qualitative insights. Yeah, Sean Ellis's tool. Yep, Sean's yeah. spoken at our conversion conference. He's the guy that coined the term growth hacking. So, uh, yeah, excellent tools both in user testing, Daryl Bantar's company. The, the advantage of that is that you have uh, – they have a pre-selected panel of people that can go and do whatever – tasks you tell them to do on your website and are trained to talk out loud so you don't have to recruit people for usability studies. Um, So uh, we're going to take a little break and we'll come back and we'll talk more with uh, Daniel Gonzalez. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. 
as the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Welcome back to LPO, landing page optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, landing page optimization. This week, my guest is Daniel Gonzalez, a CRO specialist and consultant, uh, blogging and uh, improving conversion rates at conversionlove.com. Welcome back, Daniel. Thanks for having me, Tim. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about um, you know when you are doing testing for clients and the kinds of uh, issues you find. I mean, when, when usually are you doing tests end to end? In other words, implementing them as well, or are you just giving them the the kind of blueprint for what to test? We we do tests. We do both. We do tests end to end. And I actually find that's kind of the more interesting work is doing the the end to end testing from you know the concept of what to test all the way through testing it and the post test analysis. Well, so I think those are kind of uh, you know again from we're taking things from an agency or consultant perspective today, uh, and and each of those has their pros and cons. I mean, if you're going to do uh, testing end to end, you have to stick with whatever tools the client has in place. Uh, or propose tools and deal with their limitations. Uh, you also have to get deep into their possibly content management system and their workflow and IT and webmaster support. Um, on the flip side, if you just give them test plans, a lot of times you don't necessarily see them carried out faithfully by the clients or there's a yeah. lot more rigmarole. So let's talk about both sides of that and uh, what you've experienced. Sure. Um, so we've actually run into uh, our fair share of uh, kind of road bumps with uh, testing tools, and that's kind of formed a bit of a philosophy that we have um, in order to effectively administer a testing program for a client. Um, and so we stick to typically, I mean, we, it's a very collaborative process, but typically, especially in the earlier part of any program, we'll stick to making front-end changes that we can impact through you know, JavaScript and jQuery. Um, and we like to use tools like uh, VWO is actually my preferred tool, and so typically we'll just that would be Visual Website Optimizer is VWO, right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, so we'll we'll bring the client on and we'll give them a code snippet to install on the site, and then we can uh, make changes um, to what the user sees in in the uh, the user interface, and uh, we can for a long time make um, some really great conversion gains from just having the ability to make those changes. Eventually, it does come down to uh, needing to change the way that the um, the website fundamentally works, and kind of changing the way that the um, you know data is getting called from the back end of the website. Um, but typically, for a long while, you can run an optimization program just uh, changing things on the front end, um, making changes that you can impact through JavaScript. Okay, so what I hear you saying is, um, you know, there's a wide variety of tools out there, but for risk, you know, if there are low-hanging fruit, might as well take care of the the visual stuff that's easy to change without IT support or webmaster support and get whatever value you can there and then maybe tackle, you know, okay, let's do a different registration flow or different e-commerce checkout. Exactly. Yeah, and, you know, obviously when you're doing a registration flow or an e-commerce checkout, um, 
you're going to need to kind of involve the client's IT team at that point. So that's when it gets pretty collaborative and it can also slow things down. So um, you want to make sure to build a lot of value up front so that when things do come to a point where you have to uh, involve more of the client's resources, um, you know, there's a lot of trust and a lot of uh, value that's been delivered already. So they're looking forward to doing it as opposed to um, seeing it as something that might be a burden and it might not um, yield results. Well, that's a very politically correct way of saying it, but the, but the reality is even if you have goodwill built up usually on the online marketing side with the client, as soon as the IT folks get involved, in my experience, often they're you know very hardworking, very busy, and the last thing they want is more stuff that wasn't on their software development timeline thrown at them by marketing. Yeah. And, and then they really hate that word, the proverbial one line of JavaScript, because it never is just that simple for them. Right. Um, so how yeah. do you deal with IT folks that are you know busy, overwhelmed, and don't particularly want to prioritize your stuff? It, it's tough. Typically, the way that we that we do it is we get them involved in the meetings that we're having with the marketing team, and we try to show them you know why we're making the changes that we're that we're making and and uh, the reasons um, why behind what we want to test. And um, typically, you can combine with having like a, an ally who's actually inside of the company. Um, working there and and uh, advocating for the test that you're working on. Um, combined with that, um, you can get the IT guys pretty excited about what's going on because they feel like they're directly contributing to um, things that are going to result in growth for the company. Well, I think that that's a, that's a really key thing that you said there, which is um, you want to make sure you involve them and moreover that you give credit. Uh, you know, we, one of the things that we found works really well with clients is is making sure that we put the IT folks on a pedestal, highlight their contribution. If there's a successful test, we talk about how much money they made the company on an annualized basis. Basically, if you make them the heroes and they instead of being you know in the back all the time, uh, put them out front and give them a little credit, that goes a long way. Absolutely, sure does. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Well, terrific. Well, let's let's talk about uh, kind of the limitations of um, if you do the opposite. If let's just say you decided to just hand the client a test plan. Here's a blueprint. Here's what you should test. Take it all the way through to Photoshop mockups, and you know, tell me some of the has speed bumps that you run into once the client gets their hands on that, and you're not yeah. implementing. So typically the, the toughest part is always after you delivered um, whatever the deliverable was to the client um, and reviewing what they went ahead and implemented or attempted to implement. It almost always there are things that get lost in translation or details that, um, that don't quite get covered correctly in the implementation phase. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, give, give me some examples of that. Like, what what kinds of things typically go wrong? Is it the the visual execution? Is it the the technical how it works? Um, sometimes it's the technical how it works. Like, we we can't know a lot of the time how their you know parts of their back end are going to work or um, kind of the structure of their databases. So, um, or whether they can do certain error checking right there in the form, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then a lot of the time the visual too, like, uh, there's a lot of iteration involved. It's a very iterative process to get, to get the thing done right. Um, so it just winds up being a lot of, uh, um, you know, for example, 
if you're going to implement some kind of trust mark on the site and you want it um, in the footer and you want it in certain repeated locations in the checkout process, um, sometimes people will think that um, you didn't intend to repeat it so much or that it's... <laughs> <laughs> so so they, they substitute uh, their assumptions for what you explicitly told them to do. Yeah, so it almost doesn't make sense to them that you're repeating this trust mark over and over and over again. They're like, you know, this is overkill, but no, we we intentionally want to do that because it's going to have a specific uh, conversion outcome. Right, or the same thing in a uh, long-form sales letter format, the uh, one basic idea that our Amy Africa has uh, beat on many times with me. She's going to be keynoting our Las Vegas event for Conversion Conference next year again. But she says you, you need to think in terms of screenfuls. So if you're going to have a call to action and the page is scrolling, you either have to keep it on the page in a non-scrollable position or you have to repeat it over and over and over again. And so a lot of people look at that and they go, yeah, that's from the Department of Redundancy Department. <laughs> Why should we do that? But uh, yeah, it's those kind of things that you know our CRO insights aren't necessarily that obvious to the people implementing yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that that kind of stuff is what what typically gets lost in translation from you know uh, providing the deliverable to actually getting the implementation done. Okay, and then just uh, in the minute that we have before the next um, break here, you know, so what is the the biggest issue you've seen in terms of uh, you know the test implementation? Is it instrumentation is it fidelity to your ideas is it getting hijacked by uh, the brand people uh, which you think is the most common problem I guess yeah I so specifically you mentioned brand people what I find especially if I'm working with someone who's um, heavily focused on the brand side at the client on the client side um, at the company um, if they see a winning test, they say, okay, well, we've learned that um, making this change creates this result. So then they try to elaborate on that and they implement some elaborated version. And it's kind of, you got to rein them back in and say, no, no, this is what we found to be the winning test result here. So that's what we should implement. And if you want to elaborate on it, then let's go ahead and test that in the future. But this is what got the conversion rate gain, not some elaborated version of the idea. All right. Well, let's come back to that after the break. Um, and I also want to explore your your uh, salsa dancing side. I understand you're a bit of a salsa dancer and a musician as well in a salsa band. Uh, very near and dear to my heart since that's how I met my wife, salsa dancing. So we'll come back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Paywin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. 
When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. ShipStation helps online retailers ship orders faster. It's so easy to set up and use. ShipStation gives you tools to automatically import, manage, and ship your orders in the most cost-efficient way. Save money with the best USPS rates possible, as well as a free USPS account. ShipStation integrates with all the most popular e-commerce platforms and shipping carriers. Get shipping done no matter where you sell or how you ship. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. Welcome back to LPO, landing page optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, landing page optimization. Uh, my guest is Daniel Gonzalez, uh, CRO specialist working at conversionlove.com. Uh, Daniel, salsa music. Tell me about your passion. Yeah, salsa music, uh, it's, uh, it's great. I, I, I really like dancing. Um, you know, it's, uh, I kind of got started about four years ago. What happened is uh, my dad's Puerto Rican, and I went on a trip to Puerto Rico to visit the island. And um, I got to experience um, a lot of cool things in the culture and just was generally exposed to a lot of the music and the dancing out there. And so after the trip, I came back uh, really inspired and, and um, kind of fascinated with the, with the whole concept of, of the music and the dance and, and all that stuff. So I immediately started taking dance lessons and I bought a pair of uh, congas and I started um, learning to play the music. So Banging the- away on, on, the, on the percussion right on. Yeah, well, it's, I'm really into it. Yeah, it's a, I, it's been a you know I, I was lucky enough to have a girlfriend and taught me to dance, and then eventually we stumbled onto salsa dancing. It wasn't her scene, but ended up being exactly the kind of music I love. Super complicated, exciting, sensual, and I love that the Latin culture is a dance culture. So if you ask someone in a dance club to dance, they will. Uh, it's not yeah. a, necessarily a pickup scene. It's just part of the culture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's totally different context. Like if you're out at a bar, just you know any old kind of bar, and a song comes on, you ask a girl to dance. It's called, It's like a, it's a bit more of a social commitment there than it is to just have a salsa dance with someone at a at a at a salsa place. Yeah, and exactly. And so uh, at our wedding, my wife and I actually did our you know our solo first dance to a Gloria Stefan song. So. Uh, love that salsa. Got me together with my wife. I'll always be grateful to salsa for that. So keep <laughs> at it. Uh, all right. So let, let's uh, let's touch on a couple of uh, practical points. So let's say uh, somebody wants to become a CRO consultant or start a CRO agency. There's certainly room and need for that. I think we all agree. Uh, can you tell us, you know, kind of what bits of pieces of advice you'd have for someone considering it? What are the things they should definitely do or things to watch out for? Yeah, um, 
So definitely do. Uh, the way that I got into all this stuff was um, I started reading tons and tons and tons of case studies. And so I had this almost this library of um, tests that had won and ideas that I could apply to a website to try to get to try to get a successful conversion outcome from a test. But um, what I found was most of the time after, you know, doing that, I'd apply some idea or some best practice and, and my test would fail. Um, and it wasn't really until I got um, a mentor that kind of helped me um, learn from their experience what does and doesn't work in conversion and optimization that I started having a lot more success as um, an optimizer. So I'd say, you know, most people start out reading blogs and they and they just dive and consume all kinds of information. Um, I'd say still do that, but also try to get someone with tons of experience to kind of guide your hand as you start out and uh, you get into testing. Well, yeah, that that's definitely a great advice for any kind of career, I would say. Uh, you know, I used to say there's two types of people, those that learn from their own mistakes and uh, those that learn from other people's mistakes. Uh, I'm now inclined to say there's actually a third category of those that never learn, which is most of us most of the time. But certainly if you can learn from other people's mistakes, that, that saves you a lot of pain. Um, how do you go about finding a mentor? Um, so I actually borrowed this concept from uh, Ramit Sethi, who has, uh, that, uh, pro- he has a blog, I Will Teach You To Be Rich, and a program called Earn 1K. And he has this concept of... Uh, Doing or find your dream job, excuse me. And he has this concept of doing um, informational interviews with the people who have the job titles or are in the position that you want to be. So basically, if you want to, you know, become a conversion rate optimization specialist, then what I would do is I would go out and and uh, you know find some of those guys on LinkedIn and say, hey, you're in a position that I want to be in someday. I want to see if I can take you out to coffee and just learn about how you got there and. Um, um, ask a few questions about how you evolve from whatever you're doing before to what you're doing now, um, so that I can hopefully take the same route myself someday and become uh, a conversion rate optimization specialist. Um, All right. Well, let's uh, let's focus on the flip side, which is okay. Now that you've been doing it for a little bit, uh, what do you wish you'd done differently? One or two things that are definite no nos when doing a CRO uh, consulting practice. Uh, so I'd say, you know, be very careful and pay very specific attention to the parameters around how you're setting up tests. Um, I went through a lot of kind of pain and headaches, um, learning the hard way of the right way to set up tests to, to get them to run and to actually, uh, get value out of the insights that you're able to draw. And, um, that comes down to both setting up the variables that you're testing and also setting up your tool um, correctly in terms of the parameters that you're willing to allow users into an experiment on um, so that you get clean data that you can interpret something from. All right. So basically proper data sources or traffic sources, segmenting those people, make sure they're clean, making sure your test is instrumented and collecting data properly and keeping an eye on it as you collect data. So basic test hygiene is where there's a lot of devils in the details, right? Absolutely. That's where I had kind of the most headaches early on and kind of where I've, I've grown the most. And, and now I'm seeing um, a lot better results now that I've kind of um, grown in that area. Well, fantastic. Well, I know we could keep talking for a long time, but uh, fortunately, we're out of time. Loyal listeners, if you're interested in 
drinking from the fire hose and learning a lot about conversion, I strongly suggest you check out our May conversion conference. It's the only U.S. one. Of course, we'll still do the U.K. and Germany but in, in the fall. But uh, hope you'll join us May 13th, 14th at the Rio in Las Vegas for our big standalone mega show. Uh, Daniel, thanks so much for being on. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tim. And loyal listeners, we'll see you on the flip side. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.